when it comes to the intersection of AI, platforms, content, media, commercialization, bunch of red stuff. Uh, very lucky today we've got the CEO of Iris TV is the video intelligence platform trusted by over 5,000 companies is Field Gathwaite. And welcome to the show, Field. Thank you, Gathwaite. sir. How are you, mate? Glad to be here. Uh, for those obviously uh, listening on Dash Radio, you won't see the visuals, the great, fantastic mustache that we have got. I'd probably, I'd give him top three mustaches of all interviews so far. So we'll start off that spot. Well done, my friend. Well done. I'm jealous. <laughs> Thank you. Um, where should we start? Let's start here. Uh, you look like an extremely not old man, but you are dealing with some extremely big, massive, insanely big companies. Maybe we'll start here. How have you navigated being a bit of a young buck in this crazy new video world where I'm imagining when you walked into a bunch of these rooms, you probably got the blackest hair of them all. You've probably, you know, got the, the skinniest jeans of them all. You're probably the youngest of them all. How have you navigated uh, young leadership in a world um, that's extremely massive, big, and potentially doesn't look like you're in, this, in the same rooms? How have you navigated that world? Let's start there. Uh, well, I think, uh, like a lot of humility is probably the best answer, you know, like, cause, cause frankly, we meet with like really smart people who have been like, you know, running television networks or running cable companies or, you know, running some of the biggest, you know, magazine groups or, uh, you know, publishers, even newspapers, right. For, for, uh, for years. And, um, if you kind of come in, like our mission, what we do at Iris TV is, is connecting and unifying, uh, video data to just power better consumer experiences and to drive better business outcomes. And we do that in a few ways. Um, you can think of it like, uh, you know, the, the things that YouTube and Netflix do so well, they have a great customer experience. They're obviously using data in very sophisticated ways from, you know, normalizing it to using APIs to drive everything from like recommendations to different types of monetization, whether it's ads or subscription. Um, we're creating a, a comparable tool set, but as like a suite of tools for everybody else. You know, you and I chatted about the the rising war of the apps, you know, coming with streaming services. And so, yeah, I think walking into the rooms with a lot of humility and then, you know, kind of um, our team comes from some of the best um, companies in the world, whether it's like, uh, you know, uh, IAS or Magnite and Rubicon Project or Talaria. Um, or some of like the largest media companies in the world, like we have this kind of team and, and an amazing kind of um, uh, group of technologists building new products. And, and so, yeah, we, uh, we just try to, to add value and, and kind of um, strike a tone that, that kind of uh, generally people invite us back. Mm. Do you feel that, do you think that you're making a product or more of like a G Suite platform? Like when you think of the business with what Iris is in the world of content, others, obviously the creator, you get to curate, but you kind of sit in this funky middle spot. When you look at your space within this ecosystem, do you feel that you are more product or, or actual platform to build out? You, you know, you talked about products and services before. How do you see Iris in the world of, um, in the world of content and media? Yeah. Yeah, well, so we definitely view it as a as a um, as a platform. Um, we are a video data platform, um, which means that we do video data onboarding. So we kind of like grab video data from the source wherever it comes from. We normalize it and and basically make it um, into a, a unified model, um, which is a 
a huge kind of mess because um, every different media company has a different type of content management system and a different video player and a different ad server and a different, you know, kind of ad tech suite. And so um, we kind of, um, you know, normalize all that data. Um, and then we do what we call video data activation. Um, we'll take every video from, you know, customers like uh, CBS or, you know, Mirror Group or, or New Zealand Herald, right? You know, like your uh, Kiwi Roots. And, um, and then we'll take their videos. We'll actually run it through, um, today it's about 10 different um, uh, computer vision vendors. And, and we'll actually provide the video files to those vendors, um, very limited access of information to protect both parties. But then they create data on the video um, that they use computers to look at the images, the audio, and then also the text. Um, so like natural language processing. And then they'll provide that data back to us and we store it on every unique identifier for each video. And then we activate that um, with the like global ad tech, MarTech ecosystem. So that basically Nike can then say, okay, I wanna target people when they're watching tennis in the moment, right? The same kind of way you could do Google searches and target someone searching for tennis. Now you can actually do it when they're watching videos on tennis in the moment in real time um, using these third party trusted and verified data standards like Oracle Data Cloud and Comscore and GumGum and Zephyr and Advanced Contextual and Silver Bullet. And so there's these um, uh, very exciting capabilities that then um, allow marketers to get more out of every, you know, kind of dollar that they're investing in video. Um, so that's kind of the main thing that we're doing kind of at very, very large scale, um, video data onboarding, video data activation. And then we have this suite of applications, which is really where we started. Um, and, and so initially we actually were just like a product kind of like narrowly focused just on video recommendations, doing that as a service, helping increase viewership um, for our customers. And then following some of these data law changes and kind of regulatory changes, all of our customers asked for help uh, in this kind of new privacy first ecosystem where cookies and IDFA and other kind of targeting capabilities are going away and contextual data has really become uh, super important. And, and we're just the solution that's enabling it for video and, and connected TV. Because when I was I obviously checked out the website, you know, it's um, iris.tv and I was looking through and you're talking about the iris code of this unique identifier. When I looked at it, I was like, that's, it, it's amazingly epic because you've created essentially the trusted middleman that then creates stickiness between the actual creators themselves and the commercialization of that. It's the sweet spot literally between the creators and the commercial. And if you think of, you know, I'm sure it's, you know, a million people have told you, but, you know, it's very hard to try and get creatives and commercials on the same page for anything. Um, but then when there's something that's, you know, data, it's not a motive and it's sitting right there to be able to do it, it creates um, something not only just stickiness from a, a user's perspective, but I'm also imagining a lot more, um, you know, non-emotive data to help these businesses in real time make a bunch more advertising decisions, regardless what they may be. So it's a great little ninja move. And clearly when you, I figured that you had started with product then to go to platform. Um, yeah, when I look at, you know, like the G Suite things of services, I, you then start looking about the next wave of what's coming down in terms of the commercialization of content as well and what other sort of, you know, products you add to that suite. So when you look in the, we'll, we'll go there for a sec. When you look at the future of, commercialization it still feels very gluggy between the the direct conversion uh in real time from content to to the buying stuff right like we've gone through the post your promo code shit and put the little hashtag influencer url referral link and it's very um 
you know, we're getting cars to Mars, but you can't flip and convert a video well enough yet. Like, what are we doing here? You know, so when you think about this next wave coming down the pipeline, I see you nodding. I think you've got a great answer for this. How do you think this plays out for phase? Let's call it, you know, content commercialization 2.0. How do you think this plays out in the next three, give me a three-year window, next three years? Yeah, so three-year window, because the other your other question is like definitely like five-year window. Uh, Three-year yeah. window is definitely around um, like creating and unifying data around like like you know data around video assets like we were just talking about that it's the same at, at the size and scale that buyers need. This is you know why they like YouTube and Facebook. The scale is there, um, but but YouTube and Facebook, for example, don't provide transparency down to the video level. Um, because you know, there's viewership that might be on things that are unsavory on those platforms, and it's you know, it's a little bit opaque, you know, on, on kind of as a buyer, you know, what's brand safe, what's not. So we like to kind of eliminate that opacity and and create transparency. We're very focused on the connected TV market. So I think the next three years are going to be all about video level data and connected TV and kind of the the emergence of connected TV and video, kind of like really actually merging with with television COVID 19 mm. accelerated this change in a way where the tv industry has still been growing largely because it's stable you know we all still watch tv and, and many of us have those packages um, and it's a fantastic service what started to happen is during COVID 19 people cut you know more of those um subscriptions than than before um we think it's starting to kind of mirror the the print industry in 2008 um, in some ways, the trends look very similar. And um, the the way that the TV industry has been growing recently has been through the spot TV market, which is this kind of, um, it's almost like the after sale market. You might be familiar with the, the TV upfront, which is where, you know, billions and billions of dollars are kind of transacted, you know, knowing, you know, what show I'm going to be packaged with and, you know, with ABC or NBC or Discovery. And, um, uh then there's this after sale market for like targeting that the actual CPMs will be higher and you'll see direct to consumer brands that are kind of new and upcoming brands will use this spot market to raise awareness for, you know, very specific, you know, uh, uh, groups that they're trying, trying to target, you know, with their services. And so um, TV has continued to grow, but now that streaming and, and kind of connected TV is actually starting to like, uh, begin to become level with television and start to surpass it, the, the buying cycle for CTV is totally different than the way that buying has been done in television. So I think literally the next three years are literally just going to be about how does like programmatic ad buying and television ad buying and these two different sides of the spectrum kind of come together. And what we've got everyone to agree on is that there's a huge mess in kind of like actual normalized data. And that's why the Iris ID um, and our solution overall has been met with great receptivity um, from you know publishers to to brands and agencies and and all the the very important parties in between you know DSPs SSPs ad servers and and data providers. Um, so we're just working with all of them to to solve for that. That's like the next three years. That's it. You know, like <laughs> more of, more of that. Totally picked it because if you look at um, you know just kind of going off riffing off that for a sec when you think about the 
ad cycle buying that these big media companies would have to do for say magazines or like quarterlies or monthlies and then newspapers for the dailies and then literally they had to go from a digital side in terms of the print things down to a real time right so things got shorter you know it was going to quarter to the month to the daily newspaper to then you know hourly radio news updates to real time twitter whatever it may be so the 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 but obviously as the format of video becoming number one what does that that answer actually look like and that's clearly a billion dollar proposition going on the smart tvs for a second um you're probably aware kathy wood from um arc invest was talking about um she's kind of going long on roku i'm thinking about the future of um how these smart tvs and the actual the platform that they're all sort of in, um merging with she's someone that's um, a lot of people are sort of looking at do you feel the same way with with smart TVs becoming, you know, kind of old school, becoming the new school again, but, you know, a 2.0 version to actually do that. Do you think that the platform play around around where smart TVs, the base of its operating system, is actually going to be that new framework, like the new USB, but for the TV type thing? Like, how do you, do you believe this? Do you believe the same? Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question. Um, I think Roku has done a very good job trying to position themselves not just as hardware, but also as an operating system, right? For for these TV manufacturers, um, you know, I think at a certain point, there's um, people don't want different, like you know, solutions providers for every single different platform, uh, and you know, having you know your own operating system for. Um, you know, Vizio and Samsung and LG and Sony, like there's just, um, there's a, there's a lot of complexity there. The, the, the most important point is it's a lot of complexity for the publisher. Um, you know, I, for, for the audience members that, uh, you know, work in this market, um, and have had to launch a CTV app. Um, it's just this nightmare of complexity between the UI actually streaming the videos, actually getting the ad, you know, to play or, or getting data back on, you know, what subscribers are doing if it's a SVOD service. It's a, just this kind of um, really complex pipeline going back to that, that problem, you know, with, um, you know, just connectivity in this market. Um, so yeah, I think, I think Roku is incredibly well positioned, um, but there's, yeah, many other great service providers working on this. And, and so I don't know if I'm answering your question exactly, but no, I, um, I, I think unifying the kind of like workflows for you know, content owners to just get their content out in these platforms in an easier manner. Like anyone who's doing that or kind of involved in those processes is going to be successful because it needs to be a little bit easier. It needs to be as easy as kind of like getting a an app into the iOS and Android app store, and then not having to worry about updates for you know ten different platforms. Yeah, t totally agree. And if you look at the um, yeah the over time it gets simpler but at the moment it's very complex i remember you know early i don't even know it was late 90s 2000s um with all the different ports that you could have and there's a battle of the ports for the for the laptops and and how many and then eventually we got to usb okay it took the title sweet then you got 2.0 sweet now we're at 3.0 got it but everyone kind of got on the same boat and it took you know it's obviously painful i mean adobe's with the flash has gone through its own little little things as well like everyone this space seems like that but i think where my um my sort of head was just wondering from your side do you feel the same way of you know when you watch the tv if we if we say tv 1.0 their content's coming to you tv 2.0 is then you know we're kind of plugging in our, DV, our dvds or our, we had these kind of third-party things which we were choosing in but we were forcing it back into there tv 3.0 kind of maybe feels like i'm 
sort of riffing, but my head goes to, well, now I'm getting all the content I want on my smartphone, but I'm pushing it. So now I'm sending a one-way traffic back. And now this next phase is, okay, so you told me what's up. I didn't like that. I tried to tell you what's up. This is taking a little bit of time. <laughs> so can we just, you give me control, but you give me what I want for the actual like proper one-way street. So it can be kind of a bit more, maybe it's a two-way street. So they, they came to you one-way street didn't really work we try to go the other way too much complexity because everyone's brain can't just curate that in real time where we need some ai sort of whatever and now hopefully maybe this you know tv 4.0 becomes a nice a nice content highway that is equally distributed in both parts for a win-win relationship for both let us hope well, yeah job, right i Maybe that is <laughs> that is our job yeah no i think i think you're right i think it's about having access to channels um, you know, like we were used to a TV, the great thing about TV is, you know, it's kind of, they did all the work for you. You don't have to go and find stuff. And anyone that's scrolled through like Netflix for 15 minutes, trying to figure out what you're going to watch. And it's just kind of this nightmare. Um, obviously, you know, Netflix is even reacting to it with their kind of like, Hey, we'll just pick for you feature. Um, and, and, um, you know, I think more and more, we're going to see that mix where it's kind of like, um, chosen streams, right. Where, you know, kind of that's a consumer option. And you can actually protect consumer privacy and learn from those chosen streams or other like, you know, just videos that that consumers selected to then create better curated programming, you know, back to that household or that individual, because um, you don't need any personally identifiable information to do that. You just kind of need to understand, OK, wow, this kind of this and uh, anonymized end user interacted with this kind of uh, grouping of content, you know, and we have other cohorts of, of similar audience members that we also don't know who they are. Um, that's actually was our original solution is really tackling that problem. So we're really excited about a couple like kind of, you know, uh, apps coming out of um, groups like the weather group. Um, and, you know, frankly, like we think that there's like just very bright uh, future ahead for groups like Pluto and, and many others where um, they have that opportunity, you know, kind of they're very well positioned to, um, I, you know, in some cases, this is like, you know, achieving the end goal of what Quibi was stated to do, which is find that middle ground. That's really what you're getting after, right? Quibi, I think, just had a tough time um, uh, landing the plane and getting people out of just mobile first and you know, kind of made a big bet on those two formats. And, and I think what we, it's just the timing with COVID, everything kind of came back to the big screen right as there is like kind of big bets on mobile and and clearly mobile is part of the equation it's all kind of um tv wherever we want to access it um but i i think that the future of the industry is really going to be looking more like you know the big screen than it is at say a, a TikTok. And, and TikTok will be a great you know valuable business but i don't think tv buyers are, are really thinking about you know TikTok. right they're thinking about uh you know major broadcast shows and kind of the the emergence of ctv yeah, you you obviously right in there. I was just thinking about um, moods. Like if you look at audio, one of the big rises that's been seen is time sensitive moods that you may be in on Spotify when it pops up with different vibes that you might be on. Right, it's a Friday night. It's hitting nine o'clock. You go into it, it's like, oh, there you go, club bangers done. All right, giddy up and go. That's not popping up to you on the Monday morning, and it does. And I think if you look at um, you know, some of the different algorithmic selections when that pops up on you know, these different apps that we're sort of talking about, they're starting to get into categories, but not time sensitive moods. You know, like I know, you know, if the game is on or this or that, I think switching from like if music can go to mood 
I don't, I haven't seen any um, video uh, solution actually get down to that level. Like there's categories, but you know, on my drive to work, I may not be in the same, let's sit down and watch a two hour episode of Game of Thrones or something, right? Like it's probably not the right, the right time zone for that as well. I'm just wondering, even with movement data, with what potentially exists with a average human's schedule, um, with where that starts to intersect to, to get better, um, more curated video content, I'm, I'm interested to see um, roll out too. But yeah, the, the mood pieces is, um, yeah, good. And actually on that Quibi thing as well, I was just saying, it's quite cool that they actually gave some of the, a bunch of their investment back and we're just like, hey guys, just take your money back because yeah <laughs> which is actually you got to give them that you got to give megan that some props like you know you took a loss you gave the cash back you didn't spend it for no reason well done so um, was, there sure are some great people over there yeah like I, I i you know uh i was rooting for quibi um and uh yeah and your point on moods i mean i think that was something that um quibi was really thinking a lot about you know that that was um you know i think they had a pretty interesting vision for it the, the complexity around it is you kind of need video level data to make that a reality. You kind of like need to break down, okay, like what is the sentiment of this episode or this show or, you know, and um, that's, that's again, something that's been locked into the, the kind of like video metadata, like that audio, that image, that script, that, you know, kind of text. And so unlocking it um, is something that we think the, the TV experience will get substantially better, right? As you start to make that data available and, and, we just focused on um, this problem around uh, video level data wasn't available for marketers. And that's a really big problem because then, you know, someone like Pfizer, right? You saw that headline around how they kind of had their, their ads targeted to misinformation about vaccines. Okay. That's, a, that's a pretty big problem. Yeah, yeah. So that yeah. happened like two weeks ago, um, you know, kind of end of February 21. And um, given the rollout and everything, that's just bad news, right, for, for all parties. So um, that, that can be prevented, you know, like there's a great, great solutions out there like Oracle Data Cloud and Interval Ad Science and Double Verify that do that at the page level. And so all we're doing is kind of taking those same solutions and now we're enabling it at the video level. So again, you don't have like anything like that alongside of a video of that kind of misinformation. Um, and, and we make it available under the same kind of, um, we just make that same data available on every video. So that's, that's kind of something where we found a commercial application of this video level data that's enormous, right? It's a very big market opportunity because this type of brand safety contextual data, if it's not 100%, it should be of all display ads, kind of use web page level data to do that targeting, right? Like knowing if this is brand safe or if this is about, you know, vaccines that, you know, kind of like how to's and it's actually like a trusted brand safe news source. Um, so that's the first application. But once you have that, you can unlock things like moods. And to something we talked about before we got on the air was you can actually then unlock things like commerce. Um, the reason that uh, you start to see commercial integrations with like just tapping to click and buy on Instagram, and that's obviously been really successful. One, it's aligned with uh, Facebook and Instagram. They're kind of like a bottom of funnel transactional solution, right? You know, so if you're a marketer, they're using them for bottom funnel CPA type, you know, outcomes. And the other thing is that Instagram owns its own CMS and video player and ad server. It's all kind of like in one stack. So it's easy for them to do development of a new solution. And um, 
what we're trying to bring to the rest of the ecosystem is just kind of unifying it. Like you pointed out the Iris ID, once it's unified, you can just layer on other products. And so our vision is actually to like um, empower developers and at some point even, even have a seed fund where we're actually like funding development um, you know, on top of our platform. And that's something that, uh, you know, if anyone hears this, um, you know, please, please reach out to us, uh, you know, and, and uh, pitch us your idea, because that's something that we want to fund for just the whole ecosystem goes back to just improving customer experiences and, you know, driving business outcomes for content owners. So the same wave, because my brain just went down a bit of a funky spot for a second, the same wave you think about, you know, audio going from that into moods. If you look at YouTubers now, they, they, um, very much obsessed about the algorithm with what's working, what's not, what's popping, what's not. And they're creating, getting data and then using that data to influence their next creative, which is going to hopefully drive more eyeballs and views, right? If you are sitting with this user ID code in the middle that basically acts as the conduit that creates its video base layer between the creators and the commerce, is there production houses who are just getting access to this and reverse engineering what the consumers want from a content level to then push back into the ecosystem. And instead of going to the creator, literally saying a Netflix or a whoever that may be being there like, okay, this is our, let's just call it our Iris content hub. The data is coming out. Okay. We need to reverse engineer to create this, this, this. So the same way, cause YouTubers are doing it now, right? They will create specific things based on what people are wanting. They use the data. They send it. You sit at a data level for that. Are production companies talking to you to try and reverse engineer your data to create, to change their creative, to make it more impactful or effective or from the other side? Like you're talking about empower programmers. My question is, are they using Iris to actually empower creators and reverse engineer the data to create content? Is that a thing yet? It is. Yeah. Um, it's still pretty like emerging, right? There's that there, we do have customers that actually do that where what they'll do is they'll look at the, um, the types of content that's performing really well, you know, and they'll use that to inform their investment in other types of um, just the actual videos, right? Like, you know, what, mm. if they're a news publisher, what stories are like doing quite well, you know, by day of week, you know, by time of year. Um, that's something that for sure we've seen uh, emerging just as video, you know, investment has increased over the past few years, that type of um, strategy has kind of come into it because even smaller publishers, they're investing tens of millions of dollars, you, you know, into video. And so it kind of, it, you really want to make sure that you're, you're not just uh, burning that money on, on the wrong content. So that's, that's occurred. What's really fascinating too, which is, which is newer is um, having the ability to take ad creative. So let's just say, you know, we are, you know, we make an advert, we make a new commercial and, and we've got a 30 second, a 15 second, and, um, you know, it's for some, you know, big new consumer product or, you know, uh, something coming out. And um, that same advert, um, you can actually run it through the same kind of computers um, that look at the content to understand, you know, and label it for targeting. You could actually like run the advert through it to understand, okay, well, what, what kind of um, content do we want to align this creative with to get resonance? Um, and there's been some really cool research Anyone that's interested could look up um, research measurement technologies um, and, and the group, you know, kind of led by Bill Harvey and that great team. They've done some really interesting research in, in television advertising on this concept of ad resonance. And it's, it's cool because groups like Nielsen and then Nestle validated that when you have this kind of resonance, 
it drives uh, over 30% increases in sales and, and ad recall, which are like the two things that you care about, you know, if you're investing in say television uh, marketing, you know, you care about sales, you care about recall and awareness, unaided awareness. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of a new capability where you can actually kind of like um, uh, ensure that like you're, you're maximizing ROI. Um, we're we're super excited about that. Add Tinder. You run the, they run the content through it and then you run the ad through it. You line that shit up. Oh, that's a good fit. And Tinder. Swipe right. <laughs> so maybe on the, on the swipe right for the action, do you feel the, um, actually, this is actually really smart, like literally putting the ad versus own process to see the codes that match up to align it with the thing before you pre-buy it to get an increase in thing. That's, that's it's, it's, it's like one of these trends that you've seen in other types of marketing. Like once, once some of these traders get their hands on like this type of data, it's it, this the it's um it's lights out right because like once you kind of like use that it, you know it's it's like when um you first had certain types of really granular targeting available on Facebook and Instagram it's just something that the the it was incredibly um high in terms of return on investment now that's been diluted a bit because there's there's such been a you know flurry of of spending there that like you actually can see lower returns on Facebook than, than once, you know, was available. That's the, another reason why we're incredibly excited about connected TV is because it's still totally nascent, you know, and, and um, marketers who get really good at kind of being data driven in this new medium are going to have a huge competitive advantage over competitors. Hmm. Really smart. The um, go back to the TV for a second, the remote, do you feel that the, I feel the remote's been extremely underutilized, right? Like <laughs> with this new wave of uh, TV 4.0, do you feel, especially when we talk about commerce, do you feel that the remote is the actual secret weapon for physical, you know, like it's got haptic touch, you touch it, it feels like you're ordering that coffee. It feels like it's given a bit more, bit more zhuzh to it. Um, where do you think the future of the home remote actually gets to when it comes to e-commerce? Like how, how do you think this actually plays out into the real world of it. Cause yes, we, you know, click like an in Instagram ads you're talking about, you can click it to buy it now. Do you feel that the physical thing of touching it, pushing it, going it, is it, do you think that's the secret hack of um, not only potentially for e-commerce, but also potentially for uh, sports gambling and betting and stuff as well. Like how do you think the integration of um, something in the real world interacts with online gambling and betting slash sports betting slash e-commerce because i don't know the answer to it but i'd be intrigued to pick your brain if if this is the is it a bit of a secret little ninja move that is about to come down the pipeline yeah i, I well so i think near term like mobile is going to continue to like um dominate just because you have the most control right and then like you know web and mobile like very configurable environments right where you can kind of layer things on um I, I, you're kind of blowing my mind a little bit. I love that question. You know, it's like, but the, it goes back to the same problems. It's just like standards. You know, once you have standards that are established where you have like a framework that can be built upon, regardless of where an app gets published, you know, and like um, regardless of who the kind of app is that a consumer is engaging with, that then there's like things that can be layered on that then have standardized, you know, ways that a, a consumer can interact with the remote. Um, mm -hmm. That's still like, I'd, I'd say gray area for a lot of the big, um, you know, kind of players in, in the industry. And I'm, I'm sure um, like every television manufacturer is, is thinking about those things, but 
Yeah, the remote seems kind of like it's become quite stale, right? Like they've, you know, clearly some people paid to have a button on the remote or something, you know, for certain CTV apps. And then that what that's the most inventive we can be with using this, like what's effectively like the mouse for the television. Yeah, it seems like it should be much easier to do more with. Exactly. And I was just thinking, you know, is, is that where Roku makes a play or something? Because I was just thinking about audio, you know, there's been this big battle of audio as you got the Alexas and the all sorts and the series and the whatever. Same way you go over the app, you get the iPhone, you get the Android, got it. Same way you got the audio, but now it's becoming um, like that's like the voice and that's great. But the, the physical space around like the direct conversion of, um, you know, see it, feel it, touch it. Like, how does it make it real? Like, you know, mood and vibe and feel, what does that look like visually? Like there's these, you know, when I just look at kind of alignment of if you get mood right with like lack of friction to be able to sell more shit, buy more shit, do more shit, whatever it may be, it feels like there's kind of like people are kind of battling these pieces, right? There's a little like timing section here, there's a little technology here, there's a little tactic here, but when it all comes together, it it feels like a pretty exciting, it's exciting for and also potentially dangerous um, space as well. Um, you know, like I've, I know a few people who are addicted to the old Amazon shopping and, uh, you know, they get into zone and it's a boom, boom, boom. It becomes a thing, you know, when it becomes that kind of, uh, instinctual ease, like it can be, um, I mean, you put me in a flipping Raiders game with a, with a dangerous remote. I'm, I'm going to town, son, tell you that much. Yeah. Your awareness, <laughs> your awareness of the addictive qualities. Uh, yeah, it sounds good. We can, we can both, um, well, once this happens, we can we can sign up for you know uh, maybe your next podcast will be about you know that kind of rehab. Um, but um, but I think an argument for why this is something to pay attention to and not just like a crazy idea is users are flocking to connected TV um, like at a pretty incredible rate. Um, you know it's it's been growing. Um, we saw, for example, like uh, just in video and connected TV, like 20x growth last year, you know, and then it hasn't slowed down as COVID like restrictions is starting to lighten up. And so um, what's what's crazy is that all this data has been siloed. You have some vertical players like YouTube or Instagram or Facebook, but the connected TV ecosystem is not controlled by any one of those parties, right? Like YouTube's big, but, you know, so are all the other apps. And so um, now you have this new medium um, that not only is growing fast, it's um, actually been proven to drive higher return on ad spend, right? The kind of um, actual things we were talking about earlier, like sales lift and, and kind of um, awareness. Um, it's been proven to be like higher than, than in the number two medium, which is television. Um, there's this kind of massive study done on this topic where like $48 billion of advertising spending was tracked to 2.2 trillion of consumer spending. And the, the big areas were, yeah, a huge amount. The big areas were consumer packaged goods, um, huge, right? Obviously, because that's everything from, you know, like soaps and, and kind of uh, packaged foods to, you know, even tennis shoes. And then um, quick service restaurants, um, and then also auto. So they tied all this data together because those data sets were available. And they found that um, for CPG, quick, you know, and uh, and quick service restaurants QSR, it was nine times more valuable to invest in CTV over television. Nine times, and auto, I think, was four times. And so that medium is a total goldmine. Um, and and any data normalization, any requests for data normalization from buyers is going to benefit them because then they're going to have more signal to actually like you know actually put money into it. Mm -hmm with the kind of granularity that people are used to for like display advertising. Um, 
So, you know, that's where what we've been doing is just encouraging folks to ask for Iris enabled, um, right? You know, because like that's kind of just part of the solution here, just to get at that big lack of transparency. Um, and and I this is something you know the space really well, but something that we've heard a lot is buyers when they buy like you know Pluto, for example, right? One of the, the best apps out there. Um, there's like 800 channels on Pluto, so they don't actually know what channel or what content they're they're investing in. They they can maybe sponsor a channel or they can you know target a household identifier, but um, in other cases they actually don't get that data back. So we're working um, uh, to solve that problem with all kind of uh, CTV you know publishers out there, so that then buyers can get some more transparency, put more money to work, and that's going to uh, really lift you know kind of publisher revenues, um, fill rates, and CPM rates um, because you know CPM rates justifiably. Can go up for those most valuable data segments for for certain buyers. So it's a it's a super exciting opportunity, and it all relates back to the remote. Because if you have data normalization and standardization across you know apps and publishers, then you can start to do more. Well, also as well, as soon as you empower the remote, but you have the same thinking around to autoplay the next part of that content stream, it just starts going. And if you can just one touch to not actually choose, but one touch to consume or to buy or to to convert, that becomes I think. An even bigger proposition. See, we're we're seeing the future of media and content right here, mate. We'll be looking back at this in a few years, and be like, "I fucking told you so." We're sitting there, we talked about this shit, and then Roku comes out and does a USB for remote, and that plugs into the TV shit, and all of a sudden we're to the moon, son, to the fucking moon. Um, all of a sudden, we're going to be addicted to uh, to sports betting on on in app purchases, and and. Uh... <laughs> Well, Kathy Wood from Ark Invest was talking about it with the, the big shutdowns and stuff. A lot of these uh, different uh, states are going to be wanting to get increased revenue however else they can. And if this is potentially one way to do it, look for that to, to roll through. But I think to your, to your point, though, Field, is um, it feels very, you know, kind of uh, like blindly fragmented but aligned. <laughs> you know, like they come in and it's just like it's everywhere. But it, you've kind of done the same thing at, that where linear TV die or like, got stuffed was like well how do i know what's going where it's just that you kind of just throw it into the ether and it's like well what is the cum rate what is the like where's the the tangi tangibility of it and for a world that's so digital it doesn't really feel like that's the best solution where you're talking about getting down to a granular approach but then still there's certain parts and mechanisms of the actual media buying which are kind of going into the ether just as like how media 1.0 failed which is why digital one so you would hope that uh, digital 2.0 doesn't make the same marketing mistakes in terms of placement as 1.0 when the data does um, does exist. Um, but on the thing about apps, I wanted to, I had, I, I thought about this, I've been thinking about this for a while actually around how, um, you know, linear came, TV came across and in New Zealand, we've got, we've got two business, two content channels. We've got TVNZ, which owns T1 and 2, and we've got Media, which is 3 and 4. And that's it. So we've got, we got two players. Great. But in America, there's hundreds, right? And what it felt like happened with um, TV 1.0 is it came across and all of a sudden there's hundreds of channels and there's a whole bunch of different things and it goes under one sort of cable network. I've got cable, I've got 100. Now it feels like I need to have my Hulu app, I need to have my Netflix app, I need to have my Disney app, I need to have my dot, dot, dot. And these platform apps are becoming the new channels that existed before someone consolidated them together. And the fact where you've got AI across the top of it with real-time opportunities, once again, it doesn't feel like it's potentially the smartest sort of way to structure things because they're almost copy-pasting what broke before. So I wonder 
in these sort of situations is the reason that they trying to play can't play nice earlier is it just trying to are they all just trying to swing their dick around to see whose is the biggest is this just a flip in i'm exclusive for myself and stuff everyone else like what is the handbrake that is seems so far to be putting all of the platforms to cr actually go down to their own channels and actually starting to frustrate the consumer where they now need potentially 10 different apps just to get the, sh the single shit that they need like are they realizing that this is a potential big problem do you see it the same way or am i just um waxing lyrical on what failed in the past but maybe failing again in the future yeah i think um the the group that's the most sensitive to it is definitely those that are streaming video on demand apps. Um, and, you know, yeah, you know, there's Netflix, there's Disney plus, and then there's, you know, um, many others, right. You know, and like, if you kind of think about the kind of like, um, households, you know, that, that are going to pay for many of these services, those SVOD apps, um, uh, experience very high churn rates. So they're, they're very attuned to the problem that you're talking about. And, um, yeah, I think there's, there is a way to kind of, um, understand, you know, uh, consumers and, and protect their privacy to like actually better understand how to, you know, really expose people to a couple shows and, and actually get them interested in, and kind of make sure that those are surfaced to the right audience members before they churn. So there's, Definitely um, a lot of focus being done on that, but I'd say that it's still very early days, you know, surprisingly, even though it feels like this has been around for a while, you know, like a couple um, do that well. And then many others that you'd think would, you know, still, I think, um, trying to figure it out. And um, while I, I think everyone is focused on that, that kind of problem of discovery, yeah, it's, it's, it's almost like still one of those days where like, you know, got to have an app, you know, like everyone's just trying to get, you know, out the door and, and create the first kind of like um, product launch and, and then improve it a little bit. So it's almost like what we're seeing in terms of the user experience, the, the customer and, and, and consumer experience is lacking because of the complexity of kind of a new medium. Mm. And the great thing is we, we believe that, um, you know, there it's proven that you can kind of like use data to, to improve this performance, but, um, still pretty nascent at even the biggest players, the biggest names, you know, that you, that you'd expect. So, um, I think that'll improve substantially, um, over the next year, like jumping back on our timelines. Like, I don't think that's a problem that'll like span out years because, everyone needs to pay attention to it. If you, if you don't, then, um, you know, you're going to lose consumers to, to other services. And at some point, I think more and more of this bundling will occur, um, or they'll just be exactly. more free apps that are ad supported, which has definitely been a trend that has been kind of, um, uh, emerging like that. The, the fastest growing CTD apps last year were all ad supported. Um, you know, there's just been a, a huge trend towards just the use of free services for obvious reasons. Well, they just want the consumers are wanting just the product, not necessarily the platform, right? Like, so in New Zealand, most people don't give a shit about any of the sports, but they have to watch the All Blacks every time we play and beat the shit out of the Australians, right? Like, we want the product, not necessarily the platform. And then when you extrapolate that over 10 different apps with thousands of different shows, I kind of, I then just think about this next wave of if, you know, uh, Square buys title, so you've got money payments going directly into artists. I'm like, okay, 
I think they're probably going to have a shot at the labels. Like this is much my take on it. Like what will that look like to empower the creators directly through payments? I think there's something in there, right? But in the exact same point, if the producers that are the products underneath the platform, if this builds tension over time, then surely if there's a way to automate that through, you kind of wonder, is there actually going to be a bigger opportunity around going direct in a similar way for creators themselves to consumers that aren't necessarily stuck by the platform themselves if they actually own the product, right? And and it's not, I mean, we're probably talking three to five, maybe, like it's taken music so long even to get to this point. But then I wonder actually even more so, all of that data for that those creators are going to come off the iris ids of the world they're going to come off the data driven thing in its own community and then they might be able to even reverse engineer that content for different ad players that are in the speed which is a higher potential hit rate of alignment because you've already done the data to back it up to start with right so it's really a um that's a super interesting intersection between that tension that i feel is going to build or i can feel it start building with between product and platform now and there's solutions starting to potentially come out of music but when this transitions to a different format i'm wondering what what does that world of content actually look like where the empowerment is and that isn't necessarily the platforms themselves but um potentially can come down to the creators right i think that's a it's a it's a really interesting space to even start looking at aren't i know we're like stargazing a little bit but as soon as i saw that square um title thing i was like oh no 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 i think this is a label play and then i transitioned to media and i was like Oh, actually, if show number three that's on Disney right now or is on Hulu or is on Netflix, if they're not getting the love, but then they control it and they can go to a bigger market, flipping is a Roku USB thing. Okay, now we're talking. There's some shit there. So, the, do you like? There's the, and I mean, I've I'm not a Hollywood guy. I've never never been to, to Hollywood. I don't I don't know that world, but I can feel that tension from the community and I can, as a consumer, but also as a creative and a, and a, and a commercial bit of a commercial guy, I think that's a, I mean, the longer we talk, the more I'm just like, holy shit, I think your business is pretty good, man. Well done. <laughs> you're in the, you're in the, you're like the Switzerland. It's fucking genius. Yeah. Switzerland is key. Um, like we, we started to make sure that the content owners could, could profitably invest in video, but now it's, it's quite cool because then if you unify the data, you can make it so it's useful to marketers too, right? But to your point on the, the channel side, yeah, like um, it's what's great about it is the All Blacks can actually create, take all their content, right, for example, and they can just get a channel on Zumo and Pluto and Tubi. And, you know, they, so they can actually get all these channels out there um, and, you know, get it on Vizio and get it on Samsung and like actually just like it's it's straightforward now and there's some some great service providers you know, kind of like um, like a um, Verizon, Uplink, Amagi, and Whirl. They're they're the services that will just create these channels, right? And then kind of create that the ad inventories. It's kind of like just putting something on television. It's there's not this huge technology challenge, which is kind of amazing. But to your earlier point, then you have like just so many, right? It's just growing, growing, growing. So at some point, um, I do believe it'll be cheap enough that the All Blacks could have their own app, right, on these different services. And, and just kind of like just be much easier to almost like get to a point where video um, for creators, you can actually have almost like this capability, of, you know, like a Squarespace, a Wix, a Shopify, you know, you can kind of take it end to end. And that's where we we believe things could eventually go. You know, like we, we think that as the cost of streaming content gets cheaper and cheaper. Um, yeah. Why wouldn't you want to have those capabilities in house? So, yeah, those are some of the longer term things we think about. 
Yeah, and then from your side at the moment, if you're you're going B two B for the platform, you just rejig it and go B two C with a white label little API plugin that can go to the back end of any of these creators that can just have that in additional SaaS play little add on for ten bucks, whatever it is a month, the same way you do these other premium things, and all of a sudden your market doesn't go to the five thousand companies; it goes to the five million creators, right? Because that's, I mean, shit, you're a smart man. You probably about all this shit i'm just thinking it from my side i'm like that's really interesting because then you get access the same way you you know you click and get the analytics that pops through from these little videos and the reason you get that as a creator is what do i do next where is the intel where's the ammunition of data that's non-emotive that gives that kind of leads me down the path of where i want to go but you know when you can sit as that potential conduit not only for the, the data to give you that back but also put it for the potential future revenue streams of where you can go to you know, let the big boys, you know, swing their dicks out over the flip and over the platforms. That's fine. But you, you see how this has played out in the retail world, the music world, the corporate world. What happens is fragmentation, consolidation, <laughs> and then commercialization. It's like, okay, so at the moment it feels like in the media space is like, okay, we're, we're getting fragmented. I get it. And then it's like, okay, who squeezes it in, who rolls it up, and then who flip and throws the hammer down. Yeah. Oh, mate, and I, I think that's great. The tool set that it, like what you what you need is like it just it shouldn't cost millions of dollars to to build a video business like it's so expensive right when you kind of put together all the parts you have a team to manage it and then the alternative is like oh I just put a video on on YouTube right or I put it on Daily Motion or I put it on Vimeo um, or on TikTok or on Instagram so um, it just needs to be simpler um, and that's definitely like where you know we think there's an opportunity and, and like what we learned over the past years kind of building our business is that um, the internet depends on free content uh, and and the way that free content gets funded is by finding a way to make it you know kind of drive return on investment for marketers and advertisers and that's the that's how all the largest business on the internet are built you know save um, e-commerce and that um, that kind of formula comes from you know great data. If you have great data available to uh, you know the the marketers and it's normalized, that then when you kind of have that uh, creator boom happening, where they're actually you know creating apps and and publishing direct, and they're you know they're not on YouTube, um, then um, if you have unified data, then it actually makes it very simple for a marketer to put like investment to work at scale. And that's been the missing piece. Yeah. So that's hundred um, percent. And the creators themselves aren't usually that good with the commercial side. So I'm mean, even just from a, like, if you flip it out instead of, you know, putting the content through the machine to give it all this, this, this um, the analytics or insights or whatever from a creator side, their archive already exists online anyway. So being able to back troll your past archive that already exists with the new tech might actually give you instant insights and and upside of what you can do now before you even start because the whole thing's automated it's like cool plug in your youtube channel your twitter your instagram your whatever and it just takes all of it it's like cool over the last 10 years you've done you know uh, 200 videos this is all the stuff that works and all of a sudden you can actually help do the job of the commercialization for the creators because the archive actually already exists in the real world the ai goes on top of it and then next thing you know you've got better alignment for future products and services and commercialization for the creators right you can you can help help the creators um because as as much as the the middle is good i think that's even more powerful because then it's going to give me you know power to the people type thing that's insanely awesome so well well done, my friend. That's great. 
Yeah, and if if that if yeah, that's such a good point because if you do that, then the demand for you can help kind of like create the formula Boom. to get it to get it to audiences, and then you you just kind of create the formula that then funds content, and that's a big challenge, right? As we move away from newspapers or television channels into like pure digital, pure play kind of distribution, um, you you know, not to poo-poo uh, Facebook and YouTube and and other kind of amazing services. But, you know, and sure, they, they like to kind of um, take as much of the profit margin as they can for themselves and really kind of neglect the, the value of content, of journalism, right? You know, going to like both of their fights with, you know, Australia, right? And these kind of new laws, you know, mandating that, you know, um, content needs to be paid for. And um, it's really easy to kind of oversimplify this to say, oh, well, publishers, they just have a branded CDMS and really kind of like forget the fact that, you know, people invest their lives on, on validating facts and fact checking and, and actually like, you know, writing scripts and, you know, designing these stories that entertain us. And so, yeah, we think that if you can help content creators, uh, you know, actually invest in content profitably in this digital world, then it's, it's going to be good for culture. I think, you know, when you zoom all the way out, you've clearly got the model dog for, for B2C for the big boys, but copy pasting going down, it's going to create an impressive, dangerous little growth loop for um, for B2C at the bottom. So, um, yeah, very interesting. And also, I like the fact that it's Switzerland because you, you're getting like the inside look of this ever-changing world, being able to be the, you know, you're the, you're the perfect sort of third-party non-conflicting entity that, that exists with all of it, but that stickiness from itself is... Um, yeah, I mean, 5,000 companies is great B2B, but yeah, I think the, that creator boom is coming, which is going to be the 5 million um, beneath it and being able to plug in what you already do at the small end of town is going to be um, crazy insane. Very cool. Um, I know you're an extremely busy man, my friend. I know we've got to um, wrap this thing up, but I really appreciate your time. And if there was one thing you're potentially most excited about in this next, let's say, I don't know, three to six months, like what are you the most kind of excited about in the world um, that's sort of bubbling away. Uh, connected TV, just pure simple. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm watching like a, a ton of these different services. Like I'm, I'm trying a, a, a different ones. Um, I'll give a shout out. There's a great new, uh, new service called Local Now that does like local news. It's actually accomplishing some of the things that Quibi was trying to do, but for um, like actual local news, and then it's available in connected TV apps. That like so yeah, all these new kind of like um kind of insanely awesome connected TV apps is what we're really excited about. Yeah, mega man. Um, appreciate your time, uh, Field Garthwaite, uh, CEO, founder, CEO, founder, everything. Like this is just kind of your thing that's just going awesome. So well done. I, I, I've, I've got I've got a, I've got a a very strong team. Uh, this is like you know I'm uh, <laughs> I've got much smarter people around me than myself. And uh, and actually, an Aussie co-founder uh, who you'd appreciate. So maybe we get him on here next. No, um, if you see an Australian, I'm sure he sucks. Uh, we, we can't have him on the show. I'm sorry, we're totally booked out. Um, tell the Wallabies a shit, and uh, I hope that uh, yeah, he just continues to lose every single rugby game for the rest of his life. And I'm sure he is horrendously overweight, shit, old, fat, and bald, and sucks. But no, apart from that, that sounds great, man. It's just good. Tell him I said hi. Spoken like a true Kiwi. My man. Hey, uh, Field, really appreciate your time. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, absolute legend, my buddy, and I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Rock and roll, everybody. Uh, Field Garthwaite, the uh, CEO and founder of Iris TV.
bloody great chat really enjoyed it hope you enjoyed the rest of the day wherever you're up to wherever you're at stay good stay safe and i'll talk to you all soon dash radio dash talk x adios